Build your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural pitfalls and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters Podcast on international business. We help you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences, helping you develop your cultural competence. Welcome to the Culture Matters Podcast. We are on episode number 15. This time we have a Dutchman, a fellow Dutchman, I should say. His name is Peter van der Lende. Uh, and if you want to hear the Dutch pronunciation, it's Peter van der Lende. Sounds possibly a little bit different. Peter lived and worked in eight countries across Europe, Latin America, and North America. After 17 years at KLM, Northwest Airlines, and Delta Airlines, Peter is now managing his consultancy business in the airline and travel industry from his base in Atlanta, Georgia. Peter is married to his Venezuelan wife and has three children born in the United States, in Mexico, and in Venezuela. The family speaks three languages at home. So, culture matters at the Van der Linde family. Thank you, Peter, for um, mentioning that name so often. Let's go to the interview. It's time for this week's guest at the Culture Matters podcast. Here's your host, Chris Smith. Hello, Peter. Good morning. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I need to ask you that. How are you? Well, I've, uh, uh, I, I noticed that uh, we haven't seen each other in a long, long time uh, since we worked together in, uh, I think it was in Latin America mainly. Yes. Uh, and now I'm living in the United States and you are in Belgium and it's uh, nice to connect after all those years, <laughs> but I'm doing very well. Okay, that's cool. That's really nice. Uh, yes, we met, I think, by heart, what is it, um, more or less, 1995? Is it already like 20 years already? 19, 18 years? Uh, difference could that be you're scaring me but I think it is um, I was in Venezuela and I think that's where we actually met for the first time and yes. I think it was in 97 I believe it was 97 okay so about 15 16 years ago and, and yo the thing Peter that uh, so so uh, this is for the audience so Peter and I actually know each other and uh, we've we've met a couple of times and, and the first time we actually met in uh, the capital of Venezuela which is uh, Caracas and the thing I, I that that's I remember most from from meeting you, Peter. We were sitting in your car. You were driving through the streets of uh, of Caracas, and I noticed your car did not have any heating. And I was wondering, you know, why? What is it missing? And you said, Yeah, well, you don't need it here. You don't need any heating here because it's always thirty degrees. And and uh, you probably don't remember that, but that's. That's pretty much okay. You're here to tell us um, your experience because you have lived in a number of countries. You have a very international uh, uh, frame of reference. You've lived in Venezuela, but also you've done something in Hungary. You've lived in Mexico. Now you're living in Atlanta. I, one of my last questions is going to be, how did you end up in Atlanta? But tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, Where do you come from? Um, where are you now? Well, in Atlanta, everybody knows that. And what's your cultural frame of reference? Yeah, so a li little bit of background, uh, just to, in a nutshell, where I've been and, uh, and how it came about. But I am uh, originally from the Netherlands as well. Actually, I am originally from Friesland, talking oh. about differences in culture and languages, I oh guess. Oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> uh, although I am a Frisian, uh, the non grata Frisian, because I don't speak Frisian, because I'm a, from a part of Friesland where Frisian is not spoken, so imagine that. Uh-huh. And that's how people in, uh, like me end up, I guess, in the United States. But, uh, I started with, in the airline industry uh, originally with KLM, 
uh, where actually uh, the company we both uh, worked for at the time. Yes. Uh, and I worked for KLM in, uh, in Hungary, uh, then in Switzerland. From Switzerland, I moved to Latin America doing uh, various projects across Latin America, Panama, Guatemala, and then Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Uh, and based on that experience, I ended up in Argentina for KLM and Alitalia, uh, for which some, uh, some people might remember that uh, partnership never really took off. Mm-hmm. Then I moved to Minneapolis to the Northwest Airlines headquarters, which was KLM's partner in the United States. Yes. And as a still result, still is, isn't it? And, it, and, 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 and in a way, it still is because Delta merged with uh, Northwest. Northwest no longer exists. It's uh-huh. not Delta. Delta was already partner of Air France. Air France uh, merged with KLM. And that's how you got now a bigger transatlantic joint venture amongst uh, Delta, Air France and KLM. Yeah, so that's, it still exists. And it's still, because of it, still one of the most integrated and successful joint ventures. Okay, so th- this, you're actually quite positive about these joint ventures. Uh, my experience is, is that they, uh, there's, there's often a quite, a quite a lot of friction between, uh, typically between people and cultures, of course. Um, but maybe we can talk about that as well. So you went from Minneapolis and then you went to Mexico. And in Mexico, exactly. I was the country manager for the joint venture Northwest and KLM on uh-huh. the Northwest payroll. And then uh, Northwest merged with Delta Airlines. That's how I ended up in Atlanta because Atlanta is headquarters for Delta Airlines. Right. And Delta Airlines, I uh, had uh, various uh, jobs uh, also related to the transatlantic, but also then later in uh, global alliances. Okay. All right. And what are you doing now? And currently, I am uh, an independent consultant. Mm-hmm. I work for different companies who have some relationship with the airline industry. Um, first of all, uh, and most uh, for, for, far and foremost, I'm working now with, I, with the IT side of the business. Uh, specifically, Amadeus, a European company. Which is, which is a reservation system for people um, or for, uh, for airlines that need to make reservation bookings for passengers that want to fly. Yeah, so Amadeus uh, ha- is one of the larger companies that both has the what they call the, the global distribution system or, or reservations maybe for some people, mm-hmm. but it also has uh, IT solutions surrounding uh, that sp- that distribution system. So I, I, I do consulting for them to develop uh, business in the United States. I also talk to Wall Street investors who want to know more about the airline industry in general or specifically uh, related to expertise that I may have uh, to determine where they want to put their money. And uh, so I help out on investors' calls uh, related to uh, the airline industry as well. So that's what I'm doing today. Okay, great. Fantastic. Uh, but let, let's go, sort of go back in time. and um, the Because I didn't know you actually worked in Switzerland and Hungary as well. So I, one of the questions I had uh, penciled down to ask you was, or is, what is the biggest culture shock or experience when you went from, they'll say, the Netherlands to Venezuela, or maybe to Switzerland, or maybe to Hungary? Yeah, I have, of course, stories about all of those. But if, you, if we go back in time a little bit, and the, the very first one was Hungary. And Hungary... I moved to Hungary straight after university, yes. uh, and I ended up doing a project for KLM there in '95. <laughs> uh, so this was not, if you, if you, in, in, in a, from a historic perspective at least, or maybe after a couple of uh, years uh, uh, being around the world somewhat, it was not that 
long after uh, the Iron Curtain came down. So right. yes. 89 and 95 is only approximately uh, five years. I think it was late 89 when it mm-hmm. all happened. Yeah. So the culture shock was really getting into Hungary. It was like in the, it was the bridge from communism to a free market. Mm-hmm. And you saw a lot of young people uh, abandoning the Russian language immediately, which was mandatory for mm-hmm. them. Yes. Uh, uh, and then getting into English as fast as they could and develop business as fast as they could. And you could see 27-year-old uh, Hungarians as well as Italians and Germans uh, uh, driving around in, uh, in yellow Ferraris. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, you could see the older generation sitting at a street corner drinking Tokai, which is the Hungarian local wine. A sweet dessert being, wine, it almost, yeah. Yeah, being completely confused about the whole situation and not really knowing what to do because initiative, of course, is not promoted in a communist environment. Yeah, or not so, allowed. That was a big shock. You see at what the older generation being confused and lost and you saw the very young, a new generation embracing freedom uh, in, a, in a big way. Yes. In Switzerland, just to make the jump, maybe. Yes. Yeah, sure. Of course, the Swiss are known for being in the center of Europe somewhat uh, by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it does come across a little bit. The Swiss people are very very nice. Mm-hmm. They're also very strict and very organized uh, and even much more so than people from the north in Europe. Right. More uh, so than the Germans, you would say. I would say more so than the Germans, definitely more so than the Dutch. Yes. <laughs> the Dutch are not organized, I think. The Dutch are le- definitely less organized and uh, maybe some people call it flexible or whatever it may, may be. And of course, the Dutch have some uh, uh, you know some, some characteristics too that we can discuss that are n- not necessarily always helpful. But yes. the Swiss are definitely a little bit more organized. And when, uh, and as, as an example, I think what 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 always uh, you know it it it, it almost, always surprised me somewhat on how things were then also explained to me. I rented an apartment close to the office. Mm-hmm. The owner uh, of the building came to me multiple times saying that I should not cook. Uh, with certain uh, ingredients, <laughs> and also when why was I, that, Peter? Because he thought that uh, the the smell that it would produce was not appropriate for that particular apartment. Of course, yes. And uh, also, I noticed when I put out my garbage on mm-hmm. the street, and when I came back from my office, that all garbage was gone except for my bag. <laughs> And uh, so I retried it a week later, and so all garbage was gone except for my two bags. Okay. And apparently, I, brought, I bought the wrong garbage bag. Uh, and so that is, I guess, um, reflective a little bit of the Swiss. They are very organized. You have to have the right bag because it relates to certain taxes that you then pay, mm-hmm. etc. So that was a very dry and strict and organized 
uh, environment that I thought was was pretty difficult, actually, the, from from my perspective. To actually fit in and, 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 and go with that flow, which was a kind of a rigid flow for you. It was a little bit rigid, yes. Of course, it has its advantages as well, right? Don't don't underestimate the fact that if you are organized, you will uh, benefit from being organized. Uh, sure. That that's definitely uh, the the other side of the story. But personally, for me, I thought it was a little difficult because it 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 does create a little bit of a rigid uh, environment. Okay, and then and then later on from uh, from Switzerland, you moved to Venezuela. Yeah, and of course, uh, go- going from a very clean, organized, and crisp, uh, you know, organizationally crisp environment to Venezuela is kind of like uh, three, 360 degrees. Mm-hmm. And culture shock, I would say, mostly in terms of, as you well know, you enter Venezuela and it immediately is the Latin American Caribbean uh, environment where you have, you know, tropical weather, you have rich and poor, which immediately becomes apparent as soon as you enter the country. Yes. Um, And uh, the traffic is outrageous. So to go from the airport to the city um, could, could take you 35 minutes. It could also take you two and a half hours. And uh, and you just have to sit through it and uh, and relax. And I was that was very difficult for me as well. Uh, and you know the the people were very 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 nice, uh, but the cultural shock. The f- very first one was that it's very tropical. It's very busy. It's very disorganized. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the first impression. And the second impression really is as soon as you get used to it, you see all the nice things. That relate to the country uh, and the you know the, the 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 people, the food, the 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 concept of work and life balance, the concept of family, the concept of time mm-hmm. is uh, is very very different, and you learn to appreciate that a lot. The Venezuelans do know uh, how to deal with uh, the concept of time, family. Can you can you focus on elaborate a little bit more on that? What what is what is what did you see as being the Venezuelan concept of time? Well, it's it's almost like a cliche, perhaps, but you know, time is of much less importance uh, in Venezuela than in the Netherlands or in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. If in Switzerland you are fifteen minutes late, that is a an issue. Yes, if you are fifteen minutes late in the Netherlands, that's not an issue. Not so much. If you are an hour and a half late in Venezuela. It's not necessarily an issue, right? And if you are, especially in the personal space, so if it's an invitation to somebody's house, especially, of course, business is somewhat different. Although people still understand uh, that you might be late or not show up, or you know there are reasons for it, and mm-hmm. people go with the flow somewhat. Yeah. On the personal level, if you are invited to somebody's house and they say, "Well, what about eight? Don't show up at eight. <laughs> You're too early then. You're way too early, and my wife is still telling me about that. Now we're in the United States, and I guess I have to be ready, but I hope people are not on time. Right. And she doesn't like it, and it's like, be at least an hour late. And if you're two hours late, that's fine. That's also good, yes. So the concept of time is very different. Also, people are not upset about uh, 
you know, living with the consequences of that fact. So if you're late, if you're not showing up, if something happens, people shrug their shoulders a little bit easier than in European countries. So it makes life sometimes easier, but it sometimes makes business also more difficult obviously i can imagine because that uh, that sort of would entail and uh, could entail enormous flexibility in 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 the agreements that you and i could could have made you know in between two venezuelans if you want or you being a dutchman and and somebody from that uh, from that country and if you have too much flexibility then a business deal might fall through in the eyes of the the western so to speak i would guess yeah yeah um from no you also of course you are now in the united states in atlanta georgia um what it's according to you what is your what is the biggest difference between venezuela and the united states the most apparent one for you because you're a dutchman you'll probably see it differently than i guess an american or an indian or uh, or a venezuelan yeah i guess the um there are of course multiple areas where things are very different but i think the The most apparent one, and I moved from Venezuela actually um, to to Minneapolis, I guess it was, and mm -hmm. then Mexico, and then from Mexico to the United States again. Uh, and then the, the most apparent thing is always the concept of again maybe time and money and priorities when it comes to work and life balance. Mm -hmm. The very first thing that always becomes very apparent in the United States is your everything is related to money and uh, everything has to be paid for and the americans know it and they're kind of proud of it too and i understand that so uh, you know the fact that you have certain services at your disposal in uh, mexico or in the netherlands is is not something that an american would always understand because they say if you are receiving a service then you have to pay for it whether it's a cart at the airport mm -hmm. Or something else everything has a fee and the credit card uh, should be drawn and uh, so if you want to get your baggage out of your from the belt onto something uh, and it's changing actually a little bit but sometimes it's like okay pass the credit card and here's two dollars two dollars yeah. here three dollars there five dollars there everything is money yeah, yeah. and uh, so and, and the flip side of that is that uh, the services that you then uh, buy are also being respected So the client is then, as a consequence, also respected. So it's not that if you have an issue or you don't like that service and you want to return it or you don't want to, you, you don't want it anymore, uh, the 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 culture is to be on the consumer side, and that is maybe different in uh, in Latin America versus uh, the United States. Right. It seems to me like a, like um, all uh, small tiny contracts. The deal is a small tiny contract in a way that's sealed with the money, I guess. Yes. Okay. Great. And is, do you see any difference between um, uh, Minneapolis, the north, well, more or less the north, and where you are now in Georgia? It's an inter a very interesting uh, question, uh, Chris. The, the, uh, many people around the world, I guess, if you're not too familiar with the United States, many times think that it's like one big country with similar people. And to a certain extent, of course, that's true. There is a common denominator, of course, among amongst of course. The, 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 the general, the, the average American who doesn't exist. 
Of course, yeah. and uh, and uh, that's why you get into stereotypes and you get all kinds of uh, theories about uh, how people are, are, are similar, and that is, of course, true, because there's also, in the Netherlands, being a very small country, a similarity between some, somebody from the north and south, but as you and I both know, mm-hmm. there are also major differences. Similarly, in the United States, that's the case as well. So when I was in Minneapolis, uh, the Minneapolis, the Minnesotan community is largely historically uh, built up from uh, people who came originally generations ago from Norway, Sweden, and Germany, mainly those three. Right. And it, and it still reflects in, into the culture today. So the people are a little bit more reserved. They are not necessarily loud and outspoken. Uh, it is very organized and clean everywhere. Ru- the rules and laws are always being obeyed, and uh, and people will just nod their heads if, if, um, when they mean to say thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, as an example, I was driving, came, coming from Venezuela into uh, Minneapolis, driving my car towards a supermarket, huge, large supermarket, 24 mm-hmm. hours open, mm-hmm. uh, with nobody in it, and an empty parking lot. <laughs> And so I was just driving straight up to the entrance, crossing all the parking lines, uh, because why would you not? I mean, take the shortest road. This is Venezuelan mentality, kind of, like Latin America, go straight to the door. You don't have to obey all those rules because there is nobody there. And a a policeman on a bicycle uh, was trying to keep up with me while I was doing that. (laughs) And this was was where? This was in, in the north or in the south? This is in Minneapolis. Minneapolis, yes. And when I arrived at the door of the supermarket, he was he was uh, uh, talking to me uh, in 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 a way that was like he was clearly being upset about me uh, hmm. bending all those rules and 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 telling me that how was it possible that I didn't understand uh, where the lines were uh, uh, put marked on the, yeah. on the parking lot and how that was possible. Now, if you move then to the south of, of uh, and, 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 and people generally in the, in the north would not necessarily initiate the conversation with you. They're all kind of reserved. Right. Now, you go to the south, Atlanta, Georgia, which is uh, a very southern environment. The very first thing that happened to us when we moved here, it was maybe even the same day or, uh-huh. or at least the same week, mm-hmm. when we were in the car or stepping out of the car and were looking around we were looking for houses, obviously, and finding places to live. People would walk up to us or drive up to us and start a conversation saying, well, how are you doing? What's, what's happening? What are you looking for? How can I help you? Mm. Uh, uh, and, and give their opinion and, uh, and you know, stand close, closer to you physically mm-hmm. and, and talk to you uh, in a more personal way. So that is a difference in, between the North and South that is very apparent. Yeah. That's that's interesting. So you would in in you would actually say that the South is more hospitable in a way. Yeah, the Southerns are known for that as well. I yeah. think are just very different people. Uh, and uh, in, in, interestingly enough, when the merger between Northwest and Delta came about, uh, a lot of people from from Minneapolis actually didn't want to move to Atlanta uh, because of, of cultural potential, cultural yeah. differences as well. Yeah. Of course, also diversity is very different between the North and South as well in general when you t- think about uh, diversity in terms of race, uh, which is always uh, always uh, apparent and clear 
uh, always a clear and, and a apparent theme in the United States. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, and that is, of course, in Atlanta, very different than the Minneapolis. Yeah. Atlanta is, is way more diverse than uh, Minneapolis is. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes, that makes good sense as well. That's the internal diversity um, that every country has, like you said in the beginning as well. Uh, I, I, I like these comparing these cultural differences and, and getting them from a, from, uh, from a perspective that is not of that country. So would you be able to, to um, illustrate some of the difference you found between living in Venezuela and living in Mexico? Because they're both Latin American countries. They're not that far apart. It is a couple hours flight, but you know, geographically they're they're not that far apart. They, they're comparable in terms of culture, but could you identify some differences there? Yes, uh, absolutely. It's it's a it's a, again a great question. It's it's also something that I've uh, studied and and uh, looked at and talked with people about because it is a very stunning difference in my mind. What's so, the what's the most stunning difference, Peter? Yeah. So, it, in general. The Venezuelans to put them in a box, right? Yes. Yeah, that's what you what what we do. We all know that culture is not not black and white; it's gray. But just box them for now. We'll let them out of the box in a moment. Let's box in the Venezuelans. The Venezuelans are at the end of the day is a mix of people uh, coming from Europe, yeah. uh, Portugal, Spain, Italy, in particular, as well as of course African uh, influences. And and that's how you get in. That's how you get a Caribbean style uh, country mm -hmm. that is in a tropical environment and is very informal, and is is uh, is uh, has has uh, aspects to it that really relates to being open. The Venezuelans can be very loud. They really like a big party, uh, and they will not hold back. Mm -hmm. uh, they will also be opinionated and tell you what they like and what they don't like. And they can be somewhat in your face at times. And service, yes, there is service in restaurants. They will, people will be nice. But if the waiter doesn't show up for a while or tells you like, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm out of this or that, no one makes a big deal out of it. Mm. And, uh, and that's kind of you know, the, the environment. If you go to Mexico, it is a very much reserved, introvert country where people are much more hesitant to speak out they are, I think, also a little bit more uh, religious. They are a little bit more um, service-minded. They they have. They will definitely not tell you no, as a Venezuelan can. A Venezuelan say, "I don't have that. I cannot help you. I cannot serve you." Mm -hmm. But uh, let's have some fun. <laughs> a Mexican will will say uh, will not not say no. Will say yes, and then potentially not deliver because. Uh, they they find it not it, it, for them. It's not polite to say no. Right. And as a result of that, you could, you, you, my my first impression was when I came from Venezuela to Mexico, I was behaving like uh, somebody who came from Venezuela, and you, including the language. So you make jokes, which is in Venezuela can be pretty rough around the edges, uh, Caribbean style Spanish, mm -hmm. and the Mexicans were not laughing. They would just look at me, and I was just like confused because it was like a, in my mind, it was interesting and funny, yes, uh, and, they, and they didn't think that at all. And when I'm asking some somebody to do something in in Mexico, uh, someone in my team, uh, there is there is always a yes, but at the end, maybe it was not done for uh, various reasons. Mm. 
So that 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 was always something that I had to learn. Of course, of course, after five years in Mexico, I got it. But there there is a big difference between Venezuela and Mexico. Also, Mexico, I think, is a little bit more organized. Maybe not organized, but it is the the difference between the classes is more apparent. In, me- in Mexico, between the the the, the people, yeah. Yeah, between the people, it is, it is almost almost like uh, an invisible, accepted structure, right. as opposed to in Venezuela, where it seems to be more like, well, it happened to be the way it is, and that's the way it is, and we'll work through it, and we're, you're not more or less than I am, mm. uh, but we'll figure it out somehow. And mm. in Mexico, it's more like, you know that I am from a different uh, background than you are yeah, and that is kind of like accepted yes. yeah okay good nice illustrations nice uh, nice rich illustrations there um you already told us you were working for delta airlines and you've been amongst other jobs there you were also general manager market development europe middle east africa and india that's a total different corner of the world of the world can you share any of your experience you had with that job or dealing with these cultures yeah well in uh to to take one step back, the, mm-hmm. that specific job was very a very strategic job. So it was almost kind of the strategic arm of that department. So I did, of course, work with some of these cultures, but the the specific job was much more related to building the strategy for the um, Europe, Middle East, and Africa uh, organization. Mm-hmm. So I did work with French and the Italians specifically because it was related to the joint venture we mentioned earlier. So the joint venture is consisting of Delta, Air France, KLM, and Alitalia. Right. So I, di- I did do uh, strategic projects for Africa, Middle East, and, uh, and India, mm-hmm. but the, the interaction between cultures and working with others was mainly with the French and the Italians. And that is, of course... A very interesting dynamic as well. Uh, when you think about the French and the Americans, it is always uh, it is always mentioned uh, when culture, cultural differences come up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the French and the Americans are uh, many times used as examples, and uh, that's for a reason as well. They come from different backgrounds on how to approach business mm-hmm. uh, specifically. Uh, again, and this is uh, again, uh, you know, my 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 way of boxing people in, I guess, but. Uh, it is not, uh, or it, it is known, and everybody understands the cliche that Americans are very opportunistic and go for the business. Yes, and and that is, in my mind, very true. So the Americans are thinking through things as fast as they can, mm-hmm. and then take action and stop thinking and stop organizing. Yeah, and uh, and and then with the with the idea that if. If the idea was good, then just do it. And if things do not work out immediately, we will fix it while we are working on it. Hmm. And uh, that results in an opportunistic approach that results in sometimes chaos, that sometimes results in failure, Hmm. but it also results many times in success. And when you think about the French, uh, they are more like engineers and uh, think about processes and uh, setting up frameworks and rules. Mm-hmm. So a, a French 
a Frenchman could think of a concept first, wants to work on that concept, wants to make it as perfect as possible, engineer the process on how to move forward, uh, and then execute. And if you then put the two together, of course, you have uh, a nice uh, a cultural cocktail. Fireworks. Uh, in the room that needs to be addressed and between Delta and Air France that's no difference and then you have the Dutch going right through the middle so that's a very interesting dynamic yes I can imagine um, you being a Dutchman uh, or a Frisian even but call I'll, I'll call you a Dutchman um, to what extent has that helped or hindered you in the uh, in the international work that you've done or still are doing maybe I think first I think it helps and this is uh, me thinking through it while I don't have all the evidence, but it seems to me that being a Dutchman is still considered to many cultures somewhat neutral. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, there are no many people who think negatively about the Dutch. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't even think that positively about them. Maybe there is just very little thought about them. So that kind of gives you the opportunity to. A maneuver easier across, uh, uh, you know, across sure. cultures and countries. Yes. Um, in general, I think maybe worldwide there is a somewhat of a positive, uh, positive image. I mean, when I talk to Latin Americans, they immediately want to talk about football, which I love. So that that goes very well. The Americans uh, don't know what football is. They well, actually, now after this World Cup, they have, they really do. Really? Uh, Has it, that changed somewhat? It was widely broadcasted. Yeah, it was a what is it, it was a big event. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. So the yeah, so I, I think that is on the positive side. What what of course creates problems, and I think uh, I've heard you say that uh, previously as well. Mm-hmm. Is the Dutch culture is also very peculiar, mm-hmm. and it has its positives and its negatives. And the negative side is, as well as the I guess the positive is the directness of the Dutch, and mm-hmm. it always comes into uh, into conversations like this but it is very important because the dutch believe that you should always tell the truth and speak out loud when you have an opinion about it and don't hold back yes. because people will appreciate it and that is the general opinion of the of the dutch you can express your opinion in a forceful way you can tell the truth even if it hurts because the other side will understand that your intentions are good. Yes. And the reality is that other cultures actually do not understand that and believe that not everything has to be expressed. And of course, going from different levels, if you talk to a Venezuelan, they may appreciate some of it, but not all. But if you talk to a Mexican, they might be completely insulted. Hmm. American, by definition, is political when it comes to expressing opinions. Mm-hmm. In general, will not discuss politics and uh, religion. Uh, a Dutchman over a beer will definitely touch the subject, and that can uh, create awkward moments. And the Dutchman, of course, needs to understand when doing business or creating friendships across borders that this is actually a strong point. 
but it depends on who you talk to. Sure, uh, sure. You need to ap- apply a different tone. Yes, that's it's very. Uh, I always call this. It's very context uh, sensitive. So in, in some contexts it works, but in yet another con- different context, you can do the same thing, and it might actually uh, backfire on you. Nice examples, Peter. Thanks for that. Thanks for sharing that. Can you give us, like, from your experience, three tips that you can uh, how how one could become more culturally competent? Yes, that is, of course... I'll uh, give you time to think. It's fine to, <laughs> to think things over. Yeah. Because maybe I should have prompted you before, with this question uh, before. So I'm looking for simple things that you have done, you know, in, in, in your international uh, life and travels, if you want, whereby you actually figured out, hey, if I do this, uh, this actually works in my favor. And I think in general, this might work for other people as well. Just give us three if you can. Yeah, um, I need to think a little bit, but I think in general, again, when you are entering a new country and a new culture, um, although you might have been uh, across borders quite a bit and mm-hmm. you have worked with different cultures, don't don't think that based on that, you have an idea or what you're getting into next. So if I would, for example now would move to or have to work with people in India, mm-hmm. I shouldn't think that I have now a multicultural background and an idea on how to work across borders, so it will apply. Yes, so don't, don't assume. Do not assume anything. Right. Uh, because it will not apply, that's a promise. Uh, so the, the best thing to do, as I sometimes feel, is just to take a few steps back. Mm-hmm. Not one, but a few. Mm-hmm to understand the people a little bit better and just be observant, uh, hold back on opinions and uh, ideas and instructions or whatever you are about to do mm-hmm. and try to really understand on how communication takes place, how people get things done across borders, how people are getting things done through employees, how people construct business and contracts and and, and try to figure that out first before you're trying to force your way in. I've seen that many times also, uh, especially the Dutch coming in and say, okay, I, I can see here that things are pretty slow, mm-hmm. you know, in Latin America, and uh, I'm here to make it right. Yes. So this is, this is an easy fix. I just tell people to do it tomorrow, and at the end of the day, we will discuss if it's done or not. Yeah. Well, uh, that is not necessarily how people will react to you, they may even take a step, a few steps back from you. So be vigilant uh, and uh, and and uh, and observe before you enter a new business. That's very smart. Yep. That I think that is that is the 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 most obvious one. I think another one might be to understand maybe the differences between personal and business relationships. I think in every country there is a, a, sometimes it mixes and other countries it doesn't. So you have to understand that a little bit as well, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third one might be, and this is the most difficult one potentially because mm-hmm. language does play a big role. Although people tend to think that if there's a common language, which meant in many cases uh, it is English, mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that people will understand you or will accept the fact that they have to change uh, to adapt to you. Mm-hmm. 
for the for the Dutch people, it might be somewhat easier because uh, the Dutch language relates more to the English language than Spanish does, mm-hmm. or the educational system is such that it is uh, mandatory uh, throughout the, the school system. Uh, at the at the same time, uh, I mean, doing business in English in Mexico could be done, but it will definitely create an obstacle uh, that could impact your business. Yes, makes good sense. Um, don't assume, observe, uh, understand the difference between personal and business, and make sure that you don't underestimate the the role that language actually plays in in well in your communications. I think in the broader sense. Yeah, really good, Peter. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way that they can do that? Well, I am uh, pretty present on uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah. That's a tool that I use a lot, um, and I am uh, I, I am there at, under Peter Vanderlande. Uh, actually, my contact information is on there as well, including my email. I like to communicate with people. Yeah. Uh, so if people want to connect with me, LinkedIn is is there. Uh, it has my contact information, and uh, I'm always open to uh, to any discussion, especially when it comes to this uh, topic. It is a, a very interesting uh, topic. I think culture does matter a lot. I think it is highly underestimated by people in general and businesses in particular. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know if. It, if you're if you're going on a new adventure and you want to work across borders and you have not had the uh, sufficient experience with it, I would definitely look for some uh, for some advice because it can make or break it for you. Excellent. I couldn't have said it better, and uh, I didn't even pay you to actually say all this. So, thank you so much for um, uh, for promoting the business that I do. Also, thank you very much for for the interview and um, everything that we talked about. Also, the the uh, the links, etc., like uh, Peter's LinkedIn um, uh, URL, you can find in the show notes. Just go to culture culturematters.com and simply use the search engine and, and type in Peter, and his interview will come up, including a picture and um, to sort of motivate you even more to actually go to the website i think you're the um uh, you resemble a movie star really uh peter i think i will take that kevin kevin spacey that's what i would say so if you want to see if you want to see the the, uh, the 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 other twin of kevin spacey go to the website culturematters.com find peter's interview actually find the picture there i think you really remark remarkably resemble him peter that's uh, funny. I uh, I had other people uh, mentioning other actors for some reason, and I don't okay. know. Why. And, uh, and people also tend to think that they know me in the, when I walk the streets. So uh, there is something going on. I don't know what it is. There's something going on. All right. Well, something went on in this interview as well. Thanks again so much. Um, and I'm pretty sure we will uh, be in touch in the future. Thanks, Peter. Thank you very much, Chris. Thanks again, Peter, for the uh, the interview. I hope you enjoyed this, uh, sharing his, his, his experience across the number of countries, the Netherlands, Venezuela. We talked about Switzerland, Hungary as well, um, the United States, of course, the differences between uh, the, the north and the south in the US. That's, you don't hear that often. And uh, the uh, striking difference between Venezuela and Mexico. That's the end of this uh, of this podcast. If you like what is being done on this podcast, I would really appreciate a review and a rating. You can do that by going to iTunes, look up this podcast, and then leave your uh, rating there. Make it an honest rating, and if you do that, it's highly appreciated, and it's uh, it helps spreading this podcast, and it helps in the rankings as well. 
Thanks so much for that. And I'll be back soon with another interview. That's it for this episode. The Culture Matters Podcast, helping you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences.